0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Dr. Thomas Stewart, as you heard in the news, has resigned from, he was on not just one, not two, but more than two COVID-19 advisory groups. But he went to the Dominican Republic over the holidays. Um, I love the idea that, you know, there's two things that have been funny about all this travel with politicians. And now uh, this guy is that the trips were approved and the trips were also pre-planned. It's like, again, you're not the, the only unplanned trips are when you're like, you know, in a mob movie when, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio realizes Matt Damon knows who he is in The Departed and you got to pack a bag with cash and a gun and get out of there. That's the only unplanned travel that there is escaping from someone. OK, uh, so of course the trip was planned, um, but he's the CEO of St. Joseph's Health System and Niagara Health. Honestly, like again please don't and I'd say this with the politicians. I heard from politicians last week that said listen, this is and and from you know all sides of the political fence that said good heavens like like bad example, but this will bust up the public trust it it, it does and we're seeing this in Alberta. We saw this in the UK that the, they did studies on this in the UK when there were ministers of Boris Johnson that traveled that should not have even in the spring. Um, to, uh, to go places. And it was a huge, huge, huge problem, uh, to rebuild. And we're going to be rebuilding post pandemic. Uh, we're going to be rebuilding for some time, but I would echo Irfan Dalla is a fantastic follow on Twitter. He's the VP at St. Mike's Hospital. And here's what he tweeted. The overwhelming majority of healthcare professionals have been working very hard over the last few weeks, perhaps taking a few days off while staying closer to home. Yes, the time off was valuable. We debated this when we wondered wh- wh- why no one was vaccinated Christmas Day and Christmas Eve as well. But he lays it. Oh, and, and I want to add the the best part. I hope that the behavior of a very small number isn't used to suggest that we don't practice what we preach. Uh, I want to bring on uh, Dr. David Fissman right now, who is a uh, epidemiologist and uh, a professor uh, as well at the University of Toronto. Dr. Fissman, thanks very much for the time. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me on. It's always a little can, little challenging to come on your show because I feel like, you know, in your intros, you generally say everything that I could ever say, but you say it much more articulately and clearly than I would say it. So... Uh, well, and it was your
0: idea to play the clip from... Uh, then fine. Yeah. Thank you very much, <laughs> and I have great respect for you. It was your idea to play the clip from Trading Places. How right, can you right. deny Trading Places, right?
1: I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's almost like some of this stuff is getting so ridiculous that it, it, you know, how else are you going to represent this to people? I mean, you have to use use farce to convey, con, convey it. I mean, the ridiculousness and the hypocrisy um, is, is just sort of jaw dropping. I, I had heard rumors about this yesterday about Dr. Stewart before it hit the media, mm-hmm. and I kind of discounted them you know, as hearsay, you know, come on, you know, he's not going to do that. The guy's an intensivist. He's, uh, he knows the optics. He's, he's, he's been on the command table since the get go. Um, Surely that's not possible. And then, you know, CBC came out with the story last night. It's, um, it's so disappointing. It's such a failure of leadership. And as you pointed out so, so well, When we have leaders who undermine the public health messaging, leaders who are part of the crafting of that public health messaging who are then undermining it, you know, it's no wonder that people are struggling with what they should or shouldn't be doing right now.
0: Yeah, trust is so hard to uh you know, it's so hard to build and establish yeah. and it is among, you know, friends and you know, you you build it leading up to, you know, getting married to a partner, um you you build it as a parent and when you do a few things to to bust it up, man, is it hard to rebuild. And and that, and we're talking about people that not a lot of people would know who Dr. Stewart is. So it doesn't matter if a colleague comes to his defense and says, hey, you know, you just don't know him. He's a really good guy. The same kind of defense John Tory, the mayor of Toronto, gave to Rod Phillips last week. It's irrelevant. It, 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 it's immaterial. And if anything, it's a bit insulting because right. that's not the point. You, 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 it, it's actions, not words right now. Actions are defining everybody these past nine or ten right. months. And we've all, I'm sure, made mistakes, just not that graphic.
1: And he, 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 he is a really good guy, but his actions are absolutely inexcusable. And and what, what you you pointed out, that he's resigned from these three tables. So I'm on a couple of tables, too. I don't get paid for that. I assume he didn't get paid for that. I think the, big, the bigger issue for him is that he's the CEO not of two hospitals, but of two hospital systems. I think St. Joe's and mm-hmm. Niagara, between them, that's 11 hospitals. And some of those hospitals have been in, have had COVID outbreaks while he's been away. Some of those hospitals are dealing with, with uh, very full and overflowing ICUs while he's away. You look at his Twitter feed and he's retweeting all this, you know, public health stuff and all this stuff about, um, uh, you know, outbreaks at his hospitals. I mean, was he tweeting uh, dur- during the dates when he's away in the Dominican Republic? So, so you know, is he tweeting that on the beach? Did he just delegate his Twitter account to someone because he's out of the country and you know, like Rod Phillips wants it to appear that he's in the country? I don't know, but it, but the, the, the optics are, are really really terrible, and um, you know, I, I think those hospital systems are going to have some some hard calls to make in the days ahead. But but mm-hmm. it's 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 the opposite of good leadership.
0: David Fistman, uh, Dr. David Fisman is our guest on the Bill Kelly Show, Greg Brady guest hosting for him. I want to run through a few things with you because, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's very much on everybody's mind. I don't think you can get through these topics enough and get information out there. Uh, the vaccinations, are you more encouraged by news that they are, quote unquote, ramping up in the last 24, 36 hours? I think we all felt a little bit defeated uh, and disconsolate around December 27th when we realized and and healthcare professionals who would have absolutely given even their own free time and volunteered to vaccinate people that so desperately needed the most uh, weren't able to. Have the last couple of days been more encouraging? A hundred
1: percent. And I, I, you know, and I think I think what we have to do with the vaccine stuff is, you know, there 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 are setbacks. There have been setbacks. You know, we pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off, and it's going in a good direction now. I think the message has gotten through. Uh, you mentioned Irfan Dalla is one of the unsung, really, heroes, I think, behind the scenes in this pandemic in Ontario. I think Isaac Bogotch is another one, and we're really lucky mm-hmm. to have Isaac as part of that vaccine task force. And I think Isaac has been, been quite concerned about the pace of vaccination and has been working very, very, very hard uh, to, to, to generate that sense of urgency. And I think it's, I think it's taken Um, You know, I think having having hard deadlines in terms of getting every single long term care resident in the um, in the in the province, at least. uh, uh, um, Well, I think I think it's it's in the hotspot regions that they're going for January 21st. They should be able to get every single long term care resident in the province, at least a first dose by the end of the month. That takes a lot of the death from this thing right off the table right there. Because we know this thing does protect older people. Uh, Flu vaccine, for example, works less well in older people. The Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which are basically the same vaccine, seem to work very, very well in older people. If we can protect the residents of long-term care facilities and start rolling this out aggressively in people over age 70 in Ontario, we are going to make this a lot less scary situation very, very fast. Because overwhelmingly, those are the people who are doing the dying That has implications not just in terms of, you know, our emotional lives and losing our loved ones, but also in terms of hospital capacity. You know, most of the folks from long-term care, if they get sick, are not going into intensive care. So that's not what's mopping up our ICU resources and forcing us to open field hospitals. But there are a lot of fit older people who are getting this and getting very sick and are going into, into hospital winding up in intensive care. So the more we can protect the most vulnerable people, which is mostly a function of age, the more we can offload our, our hospital systems, which are really starting to, to, to groan under the weight of all these these people in the ICU. So, yeah, it is very urgent. I think, I think you're probably going to talk about the one-dose, two-dose thing. What we see from the trials yeah. is that that single dose gives a lot of protection all by itself. We don't know how durable that protection is, and people do need to get that second dose. But... Um, What's happening with supply chain is we're getting more and more vaccine faster and faster and faster. So we just need to be getting those first doses into as many people as we can as fast as we can. I think Isaac has created that sense of urgency for the vaccine task force and it's starting to happen.
0: I want to get to the Canadian Shield and I want to get to schools too, but I want to follow up on that because I I think it's critical messaging. And and I know there's people in the medical community that message me and say, make sure you get the word out on this, but it's some of the misinformation. We've all been battling misinformation for for nine or 10 months or the, or or the um, growth and acknowledgement that we have new information that trumps some of our old information. That's how, that's how things work when we get educated. But there are people I know that are, are thinking, Oh, um, can diabetics get the vaccine? What if you have Parkinson's? What if you uh, or I, I I know there's somebody that I spoke to that oh, they're allergic to bee stings and they're afraid to get it. No, no, no. Like like we need strong, cogent messaging about this um, that, 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 yeah, that there might be a side effect or two. But the alternative and not getting it, especially for aged people, especially for our vulnerable people, Dr. Fisman, far, far, far more risky and far worse. Oh, absolutely.
1: And I, I was having a conversation with someone about this yesterday in terms of, for example, people who have autoimmune disease where their, their body's immune system attacks itself. do you Are they at risk for autoimmune uh, uh, um, disease sort of uh, uh, ramping up a bit after vaccination? And that may be the case. But what we see in the, the data from Ontario is people who are immune compromised, and a lot of those are folks who have autoimmune disease, who are immune suppressing drugs, are at about three or four times the risk of dying if they get COVID versus others in yeah. Ontario. So the risk benefit, it's a no brainer. I mean, we need to get vulnerable older people, people who have medical comorbidities. They've just gotten rid of um Rid of pregnancy as a, as a restriction on vaccination because we have absolutely no reason to believe that that giving this vaccine would be would be harmful in pregnancy and pregnant women are at increased risk of severe illness and death from COVID. We need we need to be getting. It, 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 the, the prioritization scheme is good, and every person who's being prioritized for vaccine needs to get that vaccine. It's a safe vaccine. It's been given to tens of thousands of people. Are there some some side effects from the vaccine? Yeah, I mean, sore arm and fever is is, is most of what you see, and that's what you expect with a vaccine because vaccines are designed to rev your immune system up, and that's what it does. You don't see an increased risk of any sort of medical illness or condition or significant problem in vaccinated versus unvaccinated people. Based on the trials that we've had for both Moderna and and Pfizer, we know they're both safe vaccines. The risk of adverse events, uh, bad side effects in these vaccines are probably running one or two per 100,000 doses is very much lower than what we see with COVID. And people need to, to, if if you're lucky enough to get the vaccine early, get it
0: uh the the canadian shield i know uh, it's something you have advocated you've pointed a lot of us in the media in the right direction of speaking to some of the scientists doctors and and health experts that are calling for more aggressive measures if anything what's happened here though there have been some uh spats and we've all we've all been involved in, in them about you know locking down versus not locking down i think it's finally come to fruition that many have realized this economy you can want the economy to recover you can want consumer confidence to bounce back these numbers make it impossible for that to to transpire. So the numbers are the first thing that have to go down. Tell our listeners about the principles involved in the Canadian Shield and uh, if some of them are adopted, um, how our lives change over to prevent uh, more lockdowns in the spring, for example.
1: So the, the basic idea with Canadian Shield this is exactly as you've said. There's been this false dichotomy for months now. This sort of, you know. Uh, Hobson's Choice, where you're told you have a choice, but it's not really a choice because you have have only one thing you can do. This idea that, well, if we protect health, we're going to sacrifice the economy. We have a lot of data now from International Monetary Fund, from specific economies and countries around the world, even within Canada in terms of how the Atlantic provinces are doing economically. That the best thing you can do for your economy is control COVID, full stop. Um, That doesn't mean that controlling COVID doesn't have economic costs. But what's really nice about the Canadian Shield document is the fellow who put it together is is an experienced uh, politician, business leader, guy named Robert Greenhill. I wasn't involved in Canadian Shield on those (laughs) issues. I seem to have been labeled on social media as the mastermind behind it i'm just I'm just sort of amplifying it <laughs> the evil really, mastermind let's be know, honest about that apparently Bill Gates <laughs> is showing up to my house later today with a sack of gold that he'll leave under the porch um but um Lucky you so, so the 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 cool thing about about this is what Greenhill did is he got together a bunch of people who are very good epidemiologists and Ashley chute and Carolyn Colleen among them j p. Susie, who's a doctoral student at u of t and said to the epidemiologist, "What do we need to do to make disease look better?" And then he said to a bunch of economists and business leaders, including folks from, you know, such <laughs> such fly-by-night le- le- lefty pinko organizations as Canadian Chamber of Commerce and, and Bell Media. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he's got he's got business leaders who are also weighing in on this thing, and economists from Queens University who are doing some modeling, saying, you know, what's best for the economy, and. What Canadian Shield is saying is there's a convergence. We, we lose the least jobs when we control disease well. Mm-hmm. They, they, what they're arguing is we don't go as whole, whole hog as Melbourne, Australia. We don't lock down that hard. But we lock down close to that hard. And it's a real lockdown. That means a real restriction of movement, uh, real reduction in person-to-person contact, and that mm-hmm. by doing that, and doing that in a sustained way for four to six weeks, we're going to get disease down to a point where, if, and and it's going to happen even faster as vaccines are going in. Um, we get disease down to a point where we can do what they're doing in the Atlantic, which is test, trace, isolate, and cluster bust, and then we keep this under control. But but the idea is that if you the, the idea from the Queen's modeling is. If you keep mo- if you keep locking down reactively only when you're in a crisis and then you ease up and then you're back in the same same boat two weeks later, that is the most devastating thing you can do for the economy because it just sort of never ends. It's the mm-hmm. worst of both worlds strategy, whereas actually taking ownership of this thing and, and doing what they've been doing in Atlantic Canada for months now is the best thing for the economy. And so that you know that's why I, I sort of have been you know, tweeting about it and saying, you know, this is really good and thoughtful. And it's actually got folks pointing out that this isn't about health or the economy. It's about health and the economy.
0: Um, I got 60 seconds. I want to know about elementary schools next week. I, I I'm going to talk to to uh, uh, Merritt Stiles uh, top of the hour, Um, but the NDP education critic, I can't see it happening. Uh, I, I think uh, there's been a lot of doubling down, tripling down. I think we needed schools open in the fall. I think for the most part, they were successful. It was not the doomsday scenario that some suggested it might be. That said. I think it's utterly and completely impossible and irresponsible to to send 20 kids back to classrooms and have them eat lunch five days a week in them. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I, I think the best analogy is gasoline on the fire. You know, it, we're, things are already burning and we know that the reproduction number in a region is going to bump up when you open the schools. And we're already struggling. Our, our reproduction number is not super high. It's one point one right now in Ontario. But the thing is, when we have three, four thousand cases a day, which is the range that we're in, a ten percent week on week growth in daily case counts, it is just not sustainable. Our ICs are already full. Our hospitals are already. I mean, we. I mean, I mean, we're. We've got the nightmare scenarios where the morgues are full, and we have freezer trucks now in London and Windsor to deal with morgue overflow. This is exactly yeah. the sort of stuff we were talking about last summer. Is we don't want to go there, and we're there. Mm-hmm. So on top of all that to open the schools now, um, I, I, you know, I have an eight year old who misses her friends like crazy and I know. is desperate to be back in the classroom. I, you know, I get it. She loves it. It's good for her. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're in a public health crisis right now. And I, I, I agree with you. You can't you can't you can't do that yeah. responsibly in, in the in the high transmission parts of the province at the moment. You just can't do it.
0: He's uh, Dr. David Fisman. I consider him one of the least dangerous Canadians I know. Um, thank you very much for the time. I <laughs> I know we'll talk again. I enjoy our chats as always, and uh, we'll be talking about more positive things as to 2021 moves forward. Uh, thank you very much.
1: Yes, we will. I know you're out of time, but if folks just keep keep your eye on the ball after March 2021, life's going to get a lot better. Yeah, awesome. You. Thank you. Dr. Okay. Fistman,
0: uh joining us on uh, The Bill Kelly Show. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900-CHML.